Blindness must be really hard. And at that moment, y'all, all I could think of is, yes, it is. And I can't stand it. And I am humiliated. And I'm tired of being stuck in this blind body. I mean, you can imagine the million thoughts. But they were interrupted by one thought. And I know it was the kindness of God. Because as I thought it, I turned to her and I said it. I said, yes, it is very hard. But earth is short and heaven is long. Mm-hmm. And because that's true, I can stay on this road. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. Hey, More Than Small Talk friends, we have an invitation for you this week, an invitation to a good life. Don't we all want that? We have a guest this week who's going to help us with that. Susie, can you tell us more about who's with us? So this is one of my favorite people. I don't know if she knows that, but she's one of my favorite humans. And one of the reasons is that she's truly kind and she's truly gentle and tender to the Holy Spirit. But let me do the official. Jennifer Rothschild is a Bible study teacher, podcaster, and author of 19 books and Bible studies. She's host and Bible teacher for Fresh Grounded Faith Women's Conferences that bring together many churches. She was part of the Women of Faith Conferences for years, and she and her husband, who she affectionately calls her own Dr. Phil, founded the womensministry.net leadership library. Um, At the age of 15, Jennifer was diagnosed with a rare eye disease that would eventually take her sight. And her dreams of becoming an artist and cartoonist faded, but words and music became her canvas. Thanks for joining us today, Jennifer. Well, thank you, Susie. And you are one of my favorite humans also. So I'm happy to be with you and Holly and Jennifer. This will be a wonderful conversation. Thanks a lot. So we're just going to jump in. This episode is called An Invitation to the Good Life, and you wrote a Bible study on the book of Amos and sub subtitled it that. But Jennifer, if we're honest, you've battled a lot of things, right? So somebody might say your life hasn't been so good. So why don't you tell us some of your story? Well, you did allude to it in that lovely introduction. Thank you. Um, when I was 15, I was diagnosed with a disease called retinitis pigmentosa. And so very quickly, I lost the majority of my eyesight. I was legally blind for many years, which means, you know, I couldn't see faces or read a book or drive a car. But now here I am decades later, and I have lived in um, physical darkness longer than I ever lived in physical sight. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, you can look at my story from the outside in and say, yeah, that is not a good life. And you know what? It is a hard life. Even on my best days, I will be very honest. I do not sugarcoat blindness nor romanticize it. It is hard. Yeah. But I will say there is a goodness, a deeper goodness that I've been able to experience. And I think in many ways, God through the loss has allowed me to see the deeper goodness of the more lasting things. You know, I remember early on, you guys, when our oldest son was only about seven or eight, 
the Lord really led me. I had gone through seasons of discontent and I was just praying for healing all the time, which by the way, praying for healing is not mean you're discontent. That was just me during that time. So I was praying for healing a lot. And I remember when our oldest son was about seven or eight, the Lord really shifted me to praying for something deeper for contentment, because I realized, you know, if I am healed and I've never learned contentment within blindness, then I'm not going to have any kind of good life at all. I'm just going to be a grumpy sighted woman. Mm -hmm. And so, so that's what I mean about how God has instilled a deeper goodness in my life, either because of, or in spite of blindness, but I definitely know he's used it. So what drew you to Amos? When we think about your story, you know, there must have been some connection. Then you're like, I get this guy. Like we, we have something in common. So tell us about that. Yeah. Like you don't go to Amos when you're wanting to do a warm, fuzzy devotion. (laughs) Okay. So I have a crush on the minor prophets. I'll just throw it out. (laughs) I love them. And I had just written Hosea and Haggai. And so I was reading through Amos and I was so attracted to it, even though there was so much difficult stuff in it. And I'll never forget feeling just so led. I wanted to learn it. And as I was learning it, I felt so led that I wanted to teach it to women so that they could experience what I was. But there's a lot of condemnation there. Quite honestly, there's a lot of condemnation. And I'll never forget sitting on this brown leather love seat we have in the living room listening to it for like the umpteenth time and thinking, why in the world would any woman want to read a book full of so much condemnation? And it was as if the Lord just downloaded right there into my heart. Well, what if Israel, which is who Amos is written to, what if Israel had received my invitation Mm -hmm. to seek me and to live? Well, then it would have avoided the condemnation So what if you just turn all those condemnations into invitations? Mm. And when we accept those invitations, then we avoid that condemnation. But even better, we're living the God life, which is really the best life ever, the good life. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, tell us what you learned about social justice with Amos. I'm so curious about this. Okay. I don't know if it's just me. I'd be curious y'all's opinion. I get social justice overwhelmed. That's what I call it. So like, you know, Holly and Jennifer and Susie, you looking online or you're hearing about all the issues in the world. And sometimes I can just feel paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Like I can't fix it. I don't know what to do. Or you're afraid if you say something towards something, then somebody accuses you of being something you're not or somebody else accuses you of not being concerned enough. I mean, it's such a messy thing. And so often Amos is called the social justice prophet. And as I was studying Amos, I, I really learned something that freed me up and reduced my social justice overwhelm. According to the book of Amos, if you really study it, uh, you get a biblical definition because social justice is not activism, which is what I think it has become today for us. But according to scripture, social justice is not activism. It is righteous action fueled by love. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that. Righteous action fueled by love. We can all do that because we have the righteousness of Christ in us. We have the fruit of the spirit, which is his love. And when we just do for one, which we, what we wish we could do for everybody, then we are acting according to that justice of God, that, that kind justice. I mean, I'm not going to preach here, but I will tell you just <laughs> one other thing. In the book of Psalms, 
Um, the scripture says that the that the foundation of God's throne is mercy and justice. It is. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have said love and kindness. No, he said justice and mercy, because why is that? Because that's who he is. And if his foundation is built of his throne is built upon that, we want our lives to be built upon it. So that's why it kind of freed me up just to trust the Lord and just act righteously fueled by love for just one person. And then I believe God's justice does, like Amos said, flow like a river. (laughs) Yeah. I think that, you know, I was a teenager that wasn't raised in church. And I remember this family who just let me hang out on Friday nights with their teenagers. And, you know, they probably would think that they didn't do much, but they changed the whole trajectory of my life. You know, Mm -hmm. seeing that being in a family that loved each other well, that there was kindness, where there was room for laughter, where they gave me lots and lots of mercy because I didn't know anything about Jesus, but they showed me Jesus. And so, you know, I, I think about what would happen if there were all of us who said, you know, I know this problem, all these problems are so big, but today I'm going to be kind to one person. Today I'm going to open my home to one person or I'm going to I'm going to see this person as God sees this person and treat them accordingly the difference it would make. So I think about that being one of the invitations that you found in Amos. Were there others and did any of them like just really capture your heart, Jennifer? Well, there was uh, one on on faithfulness that we are invited to faithfulness because Israel, sadly, as we know their history, most of us um, are familiar with their history. They just were unfaithful. They were chosen and loved by God. But like us, you know, they chose other gods. They wandered away. They did their thing. And, and yet they were invited to faithfulness. Well, so are we. And I know, um, I just, as I read through Amos, I decided to uh, borrow a definition for faithfulness from another author. Uh I call it a long obedience in the same direction. Mm -hmm. I believe that's what faithfulness really is. And I think it meant the most to me because perseverance sometimes can feel daunting. Mm -hmm. Like there are days with blindness. I'm just like, that's it. I'm done. Somebody else can do this better. And I want to get off the road of faithfulness. Just, you know, go to Jamaica. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'll never forget the day I was in the kitchen with my daughter-in-law. She was new to the family and it was like Thanksgiving and I was trying to cook everything. You know, it was ridiculous, but I wanted to impress her. And so that's hard enough when you're sighted, but, you know, blind, it was, I was just having issue after issue. I'd forget that I left the cabinet open. I banged into it. Mm -hmm. I put the pot on the wrong burner. I went to reach for it. I burned my hand. I mean, it was just one thing after another. And the whole time, my darling daughter-in-law, Caroline, is saying, can I help you? Can I help you? And I'm like, no, no, no. I've got this. I've got this. Well, clearly I didn't. And so (laughs) at one point she says, just so warm and gentle. And she said, oh, blindness must be really hard. And at that moment, y'all, all I could think of was, yes, it is. And I can't stand it. And I am humiliated. And I'm tired of being stuck in this blind body. I mean, you can imagine the million thoughts. But they were interrupted by one thought. And I know it was the kindness of God. Because as I thought it, I turned to her and I said it. I said, yes, it is very hard. But earth is short and heaven is long. Mm -hmm. And because that's true, I can stay on this road 
this long obedience in the same direction. I can remain faithful because this isn't going to last forever. The, the, the sorrow, the frustration, the trial, the opposition, the whatever it is that you're facing, that is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. But God's faithfulness is. And so we got to keep that perspective if we want to live faithful that earth is short and heaven is long so we can stick with that long obedience in the same direction. Yeah, I love that. And I imagine there's someone listening who has something they're wrestling with and have been for a long time, maybe not blindness, but whatever it is, it's this heavy thing that they know they're going to be carrying. And so from a practical perspective, what are some rhythms in your life, Jennifer, that have helped you with faithfulness and contentment? Do you pray, journal, like what are the the go-to strategies for you when you're like, I, this is hard and I need some backup? <laughs> yes, that's such a good question. I'm glad you asked it because we need the practical stuff. So yes, pray, but here's what I do. I keep my life very simple. I cannot be that complicated. Everything else is complicated. Mm-hmm. I got to stay simple. So I literally, I will give you two practical things I do. One is, you know, most Bible apps will give you a verse of the day. So the Bible app that I use every morning gives me a verse of the day. And so literally, I will save that in my notifications. I will listen to it over and over all day. And I turn whatever scripture that is into a prayer. And so yesterday, um, I believe it was Colossians 4.2 on my Bible app, which said, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So that became my prayer for the day. Lord, I want to devote myself to prayer today. What does it mean for me to be watchful? I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be on guard, spiritually alert to what you're doing and where you are. I'm going to be thankful. And literally all day, it guided my thoughts. And when I started to get distracted, I go right back. I swipe it so that my phone reads it to me. Okay, so that's, that is a very practical way I keep my mind set on things above. And I can go back to it as often as I need to during the day. The other thing I do is equally as spiritual but it may surprise you. I go on what I call a fiction vacation Uh. every day. (laughs) And so what I mean by that is I give myself a break every day and I listen to a fiction book because I study and I, I do enjoy nonfiction and I study, but my brain is working hard when I'm doing that. I let myself go on a fiction vacation and I read or I listen to audiobooks, of course, but I literally will go on the back deck or I'll lay down, or I'll walk on the treadmill, but I will do something that is totally unrelated to anything that involves work. And I can't tell you how much that helps me as I listen to a fiction book, Mm -hmm. just to kind of help my body relax and my mind unwind. And then I can go back at it and I have some perseverance for the next um, battle. Yep. Jennifer, I do the same thing at that do? every single day. Yes. Oh, huh. I didn't it's know healthy. that. I yes. Didn't know that either. Yeah. yeah. Over the last 3 years, I think I've missed 2 days. Wow. wow. Because your huh. your Kindle app keeps it keeps record of how often you read and it's also mine where I can just go in and let my my brain take a break and yeah. just settle into just the beauty the beauty of fiction. I love that. So you say that the good life is better when it's shared with others. So can you tell me just a little bit more about that? Well, that's what we're doing here. Yes. That is what we're doing right here, right now. And that's what all of the beautiful women who are listening right now can do. They can grab a girlfriend or two and go have some coffee and just sit together and live this good life together because we strengthen each other 
and we're better together. So I was very intentional on the Amos Bible study, which we were just talking about, to make sure that mine was not the only voice that is heard. So because it's a video-based Bible study, I was able to have three beautiful conversations with three beautiful women who are in three different stages of life. Kelly Minter and I talked about living faithful. Mm -hmm. She's a single woman. I was so inspired by her. Stormy Omardian, Mm -hmm. who is a beautiful woman in her 80s who has lived a prayer power life. She and I talked about what it meant to live prayerful. I learned so much. Nicole C. Mullen, gorgeous, elegant African-American woman, extraordinary singer. Oh, my goodness. She talked about what it meant to live justly. And I'm just telling you, we learn from each other. Just like I learned that Susie now has fiction vacations and now you're definitely one of my favorite. (laughs) I mean, we need each other. We grow from each other. And so that's why I included other women. And I am convinced we are stronger together. Yeah, that is so cool. Jennifer, did you have anything you wanted to ask? Well, I was, I'm just loving all of the the practical things that you're sharing. And it, I think that when you touched on simplicity, I think that that's what would bring so many of us joy and contentment. If we could just slow things down and pick out something to simplify in our lives. So thank you for just teaching me something really profound today. Well, I'll tell you this. One of the things that has become a new mantra for me is I ask myself, am I creating an issue or a non-issue. Okay, so here's like the the silliest example. I have very short hair, pixie haircut. And I was thinking, maybe I need to change it up. So I talked to my stylist. She was saying, yeah, it's going to be awkward for a couple months. I don't have to explain this to y'all. Okay, it's a thing. (laughs) So yesterday morning I was getting up. I had to speak somewhere. And literally my hair is so easy. I kind of run my fingers through it and it's done. And I said to myself, Jennifer, Why would you let your hair grow out and create an issue when you already have created a (laughs) non-issue? All right. That is just a silly example, but I've realized I do that with everything. When I don't stay in my lane in a relationship, I create an issue. I want to have the humility and wisdom to create non-issues in my life. So that's kind of part of that simplicity you're talking about. And we can do it emotionally, spiritually, physically. You know, if I eat the wrong things, I'm creating an issue. If I have an ounce of discipline and I'm spirit controlled with the refrigerator, then I'm creating non-issues and life is better. Mm. You know, that's all the good life right there, you guys. That's awesome. Well, there are many women who want an invitation to a good life. So can you tell us as we wrap up, how can they find out more about this study and of course about you and just tell us where to go? Sure. Well, anything you need to know, more than you need to know, you can find at jenniferrothchild.com. That's the easiest place. And if you are really techie, you can go to jenniferrothchild.com slash Amos, and it'll take you right there to the Bible study and you'll get a sample chapter and see some of the videos and all sorts of fun freebies. But easiest place is just to Google my name and it'll get you there. That's awesome. And just so you know that Jennifer Rothschild, there is a silent sneaky S in there that (laughs) that you don't hear, but it's in there. And thank you, Jennifer, for being with us. You, You truly are. When you and I spoke last and you just spoke a word over me, Um, as we ended an interview together that I'm still holding on to. So thank you for your graciousness and how you love people well. And thank you for being with us today. 
Well, right back at you. God bless you, each of you. Thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer, and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kira Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.